Now, I just have a question for you guys. Um, so this is a question that I have, and I know probably you have had this question before. I know before my relationship with Christ came into place, um, I, I, I asked this, because I saw a lot of churches, especially within, you know, I grew up in the United States, so that was a big thing. There was like the first church on this street, the first church on that street, and it just seemed like there was a lot of churches. And I'm like, I asked the question, I remember you used to asking this question, is why, why are there so many churches? I, mean, I don't know, maybe you have never asked that question, but I have. I mean, if you go to just Chatham itself, just, just Chatham, we have, um, like, we have what, multiple Catholic churches, multiple United churches. We have a Missionary Alliance church. We have Presbyterian church. We have two Baptist churches. We have uh, a few Pentecostal churches. We have branches, multiple branches of the Reformed movement. Uh, we have a lot of non-denominational churches within our city. Uh, that's not to mention there's like, others like Jehovah's Witness and then there's, you know, First Latter-day Saints. And so we, what, why? Like all of them, all of them claim to have this, this connection with Jesus. And they claim, all of them, to have a relationship with the Word of God, the Bible. And so I don't know if you wondered that, but if, if, if this is the case, then why are there so many churches? Why um, uh, is, is there a reason for this? I mean, is, is this kind of like in the, the, you know, the church handbook, there must be lots of churches? Is it because um, we just can't get along? I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, is it, is it because uh, some churches are just completely going off the rails with what they believe? Is it because they're all weirdos? Is it because we're weirdos? See, that's a good question. And one of the things is we're not going to do is we're not going to go through church history, although there is a fascinating study to understand kind of the seismic movements that went on to help the church to become really what it is today. These seismic shifts and movements and the divisions and also some incredible revivals that help birth and really kind of help us understand what is going on around us. See, from the birth of the church in Acts to today, we find so many churches, so many different denominations, so many different churches within denominations that are vastly different from each other. And, and, and just kind of to be brief, I know some of the, some of the differences and some of the, 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 um, <clears throat> the, the separation is because of styles, and we understand that. There's some different styles in the way that we do things and the way churches do things. There's different governance models and different kind of leadership paradigms. There's a lot of ministry focus difference. There's um, some disagreements on things we should and shouldn't do as Christians, or maybe you can do this, or maybe that's okay for you, but not really okay for us. We're not going to do this. We're going to stay away from this, and there's a little bit of that. There's sometimes really, like, honestly, there's just heated disagreements within a particular church, and there's like, you know what, we're out, and they just go do something else. There's oftentimes, sometimes a difference between a vision and direction, and then sometimes the differences stem from maybe some theological differences, some, some really secondary theological differences, you know, like baptism and, um, you know, kind of the mode of baptism, communion, Arminianism versus Calvinism, you know, complementarianism versus egalitarian security role. I mean, all of those kinds of things and maybe some theological terms maybe you've heard before, maybe you haven't, but some of the difference rise from that. Now, I say secondary issues or secondary um, theological things because it's not that they're not important, it's just that within um, most of the differences within that particular realm are under the, under the realm of orthodoxy, which basically means that there's, it's a common theory, doctrine, practice. It's like we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Like, we, we get along. Like, it, it's, we're, we're going we're gonna to be hanging out in heaven together, so we can, you know, maybe have a couple of differences here. Uh, but we're going to party together in heaven. Because they're teaching God's truth. And um, as believers, we're brothers and sisters. It, it may mean that we don't agree on everything, but we understand that our disagreements are far smaller than the things that we agree on. Because there's some areas that, to be honest, there's some areas in the Bible within good conscience we can't be fully dogmatic on because there's some things that we just don't fully understand. That God didn't give us a full understanding of some of those things. I wish he did. So there are some differences out there, and, and, and that's okay. Because that's just kind of how it goes. I remember my brother a long time ago... Um, when, when we used to live in this place called Albuquerque, New Mexico, and this is a picture of the Sandia Mountains that were just kind of like right out, you know, basically kind of surrounded the city of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I, we had never, we would live, we were very, very, very just, we didn't have a whole lot, so we never really traveled, never really did anything as kids. And I remember um, we would go up to the mountains, but only to the foothill of the mountains with my uncle, and we'd go camping there. And I used to always be fascinated with what was beyond the mountains, because really my whole world, like if you just said the world is this big, I wouldn't have known that, because my world was just as small as this little valley of Albuquerque with these mountains surrounding. So really, I had no idea what was behind it. I mean, I heard about things, I read about things, um, I, 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 I watched TV, I, I knew that there was more than that, but really all I knew was just this, this little area, and then the mountains surrounded me. And I remember asking my brother one day, I think I was probably six, remember it to this day, I said, Stephen, because um, he was the smartest person I knew, and, and he was, uh, I'm six, he's probably nine, and I said, man, you, you're the smartest person I know. I said, Stephen, what's behind the mountains? And he's like, Space. And I, listen, I saw Star Wars, so I knew that space is this vast thing. So I was a little bit nervous about that. Because I knew that once you're in space, that you can get lost forever in space. And so I remember thinking, man, that's pretty dangerous. And I remember thinking, Steve, so if, if behind the mountains is space, what happens if you're on the other side of the mountain and you fall off? You're going to be in space forever. And he said, no, it's okay. They thought about that. They put boards up. So that way you'll hit the boards and you won't fall out and go into space forever. I was like, wow. And I remember the first time we were driving over the mountains, and I was like, where are the boards? Like, I, I, and again, I know it sounds silly, but to me, that was my whole world. I didn't know anything more than that. For me, it was, this was truth. And I believed it. And it informed some of the decisions that I made. It informed what I wanted to do. I was actually very nervous to drive over the mountains. I almost didn't want to go over the mountains because I was afraid that maybe the boards wouldn't hold us. And that car is going pretty fast. And I kept looking and looking, and then I was like, wow, this is tough. And it's interesting, when we think about what we believe, what we believe really matters. Like, I, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but, but, what, but if you know this, but what you believe really matters because we were talking about a second ago that some of these churches have some differences and there's some things that, that we can agree to disagree on because th those are areas that we're just not 100% sure on in the Bible, but there are some things that we're very, very sure on in the Bible. And there are some disagreements in theology that really aren't up for debate. There's some things that we believe that, that these are foundational things. These are things that matter, not just because how we operate, but what we truly believe. It matters for our eternity. And it means if people aren't on, if, if they don't believe those things, we may love those people. But they're preaching a false gospel. 
And that is something we can't agree to disagree on. Because in the end, when we read the scriptures, Jesus is speaking to his people and he's helping them. But he's going to say, there's going to come a time when people are going to come up to me, they're going to say, man, but I did all of these things in your name. I did this and I did this and all in your name. And then Jesus is going to say, you know, but depart from me. I don't know you. But didn't we do all of these things in your name? Didn't we do all these things because we loved you and all these things? Yeah, he goes, yeah, I know you did those things, but I, I don't know you. So the question is, you know, is this is, this is important, what you believe. Because what you believe determines your eternal destiny. It, it determines your eternity. What you believe, what we believe also, again, on a smaller scale than that, what we believe indicates why some churches are thriving and why some churches are kind of struggling or in decline or even closing. What we believe gives you direction. What you believe, what we believe helps us to understand our whys and our hows. What we believe helps set up your yeses and your noes, even in your own personal lives. I believe this, therefore I will. I believe this, therefore I won't. We have those in our own lives. Your finances, everything around you. It helps gather people together with a common heart for a common goal. So the question is, what do we believe? Where do we land on some of the, some of the things uh, maybe that aren't explicitly stated in the Bible? What, what, what do we land on those areas? What do we believe is foundational for our faith? What do we believe about those things? See, this is important for us as a church to understand these things and to continue to visit these things. And well, this is what we believe and why we believe it. So over the next couple of weeks and maybe months or so, we're going to kind of, we're going to work through this. We're going to work through what, what, what is it that, that we as followers of Christ, what are the foundational things that matter? That matter for our faith and matter for the future. What are some of the areas that maybe we're not 100% kind of understanding about? We're still learning and still growing through this, but it's still important to operate and to, to reach our community. Because together, what, we, what our hope and our prayer is for this is that we, we love you so much. That why we really exist as a church is because we want to see you, we want to see, I want to see me, all of us together, move forward towards a full life in Christ. Like we, we talk about, that's our mission. That, that's, it's, it's, in, it's in the name, Forward City Church. When we started the church eight years ago, it was in the name because we want to help people move forward towards a full life in Christ together. It's in the name, it's our mission, it's the why we're here as a church. And for those of you, maybe you weren't kind of, you didn't start with us, maybe you're wondering why, why did we choose that? Like, why is there's a lot of other kind of statements that people have, and just kind of re revisit of who we are. I mean, really, it stems from um, a verse in John chapter 10. And if you have a Bible, you can open it. John chapter 10 is a really, really great passage of Scripture. I, it's one of my favorites, actually. Because in this passage, Jesus is talking about his relationship to you and to me that he has with us. It's a relationship, and he uses a metaphor which helps people to understand, really perfect metaphor within a period of time in their lives with where they kind of were wired. He uses this metaphor of a shepherd and sheep. And um, the cool part about this is, as he's doing that, he's saying, he's, he's saying that I, I, I'm the shepherd, Jesus is speaking, I'm the shepherd, and, and you are my sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but um, being a sheep, I don't know if that's necessarily a compliment. 
Like, like being called a sheep isn't necessarily something you're really excited about. Because let, let's be honest, nobody gets a tattoo of a sheep. I mean, if you did, that's you. You get like a lion or something strong, something powerful, but a sheep, uh, maybe not so much. But it's interesting here, when he, when, he, when he explains us the sheep, they understood what sheep meant. They understood the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep because they got it because they were kind of part of that culture. We're not in that culture the same way unless you're a sheep farmer. See, interesting about sheep, to understand this passage, is that sheep are defenseless. Sheep don't have claws. They don't have sharp teeth. They're not very fast. When, they, when, when something's attacking them, they don't run away and scatter. They kind of huddle together, which makes them very easily to be slaughtered. I mean, if there's, a, if, there's a, if there's a fight between a sheep and another animal, unless that animal is allergic to wool, the other animal is going to win. Like, no, there's, there, no, no doubts. The, the sheeps, sheep, the sheeps, sheep are often kind of foolish. They're, 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 they're beautiful, they're cute. My, my, wife used to, my wife used to show sheep. She actually, this kind of thing called 4-H. Anyone ever heard of that before? Like, so she actually raised sheep, and she would show them. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Show, like show and tell? Like, they would she take them to places, and how they're all wooled up. I don't know what it's called. I, grew, I didn't grow up in that context. Um, so she understands this, but sheep aren't really the brightest. Any seeing-eye sheep, anyone? Really? See, sheep are interesting because they tend to follow other sheep. They're not independent thinkers. Sheep don't do well to kind of come up with their own original thought and do that. Sheep, um, they, they don't operate as kind of a follow the leader. It's more of like a group think. So it's like someone's running. They're all running together. Why are we running? I don't know, but everybody's doing it. It's kind of that idea, which is interesting because, I mean, how many of you have done some really dumb things in your past? Don't raise your hand. Now, here's the question. Were you alone when you did those dumb things? Probably not. Like, I mean, you were probably with someone else, right? I mean, you're, like, the, the, think about those times where you went to a place you shouldn't have gone, when you woke up in a place you shouldn't have, when you did things that you shouldn't have done. The reputations that some of us are still trying to live down or memories we're trying to forget. Were you alone? No. You were with other people. And it's like sheep are like that. They're going to get in trouble together. They understood sheep that are often one of the, 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 the worst thing or maybe the best thing about them is that they were stubborn. Sheep are very, very stubborn. They eat too much, and they will eat the wrong things. They'll drink polluted water. They'll keep banging their head on the exact same thing, hoping for a different result. Which is very interesting. That I love, see, Jesus is smart. He, he, he knew that a good metaphor for us is sheep. Because these characteristics that, that he's speaking about them, I mean, it, you can kind of walk through our own lives and we can say, yeah, you know what, that's, that's, that's humanity right there. And it's interesting about these sheep, because of their characteristics, they tend to be distracted because of all of these things. And one of their common traits is they get distracted and they miss the voice of their shepherd. And so this is the backdrop of when Jesus is saying that, these, you know, this kind of shepherd sheep thing. And this is the verse that he gives us. He says this, the thief, the thief comes only to steal, steal, 
kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And he's speaking to a group of people who understood this context. He's speaking to a group of people who Pharisees and other people were trying to, to take them away and, and, and change their belief and get them to follow this way and follow that way. And Jesus is like, no, no, what I'm, I'm, I've, I've come to give you something different. I've come not just to give you life, but really to give you life to the full. Another version would say abundant life. And what this teaches us, and as you read through Scripture, and why this is so important to us, and why we're kind of walking through this over the course of the next couple of weeks, is because we were all created to walk with God. You were created to know God. You were created, and I was created, to need God. And that's not a design flaw. That's not a mistake. But that you and I were created to be connected to God. As he is our our shepherd and we are the sheep. And as we learn through this, as we've learned through experience, as we've learned through life, is that we know the enemy knows exactly what you were created to do. The, the, the enemy knows exactly the relationship that you were to have before you and God, that he is the Lord and you aren't. He's supposed, he knows that. So if he can keep you away from what you were created for, he wins. I mean, since the time of Adam and Eve, people have had to choose where to land and what to believe. Satan convinced Adam and Eve, I mean, their own choice. He tempted them as their own choice. But, but, but through that choice, they forfeited the obedience to God. But he said, to goes, if you, if, you, if you say no to God, you can actually have everything you really want. So if you say no to this restriction, you can have everything. But we understand that as you read it, instead their disobedience robbed them from all they had. And for the rest of their lives, they experience only a fraction of the blessing that God had intended for them to have. See, but we know that scripture in our own like, experiences, and, you know, it, it's full of examples where the enemy is trying to convince you and convince me that we will find fulfillment in other places. That we'll find fulfillment in other things, in other people, in happiness, in success, in, in preferences and desires, in your, in your truth is where you're going to find fulfillment. It's kind of like, I don't know about you, but it's kind of like to mess us up, Satan just kind of gives us a mirror. Now, again, we like mirrors. Mirrors are important. You used a mirror this morning. Mirrors are good things. But it's like he gave us a mirror so that we would focus on ourselves a whole lot more than looking at Jesus. See, he gives us a mirror... So we can look at you. So you can look at you. Because he knows that when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we get distracted from the shepherd and we'll often go right back to our old ways of dealing with life and things. Then we'll keep chasing the same satisfactions that, that, that got us into trouble maybe in the first place. But if we take our eyes off of our Savior, that fullness isn't quite as full anymore. And when we do that, we focus on me and you, our happiness, 
our success, our preferences, our um, desires, our truths, money, attention, relationships, success, and all of those things are, are good things, really good things. But they make very, very bad gods. And see, the enemy, in this passage, Jesus is speaking to them, he's saying, the enemy is trying to steal your purpose. He's trying to kill and destroy the very thing that you and I were created for. Because see, we understand here through the hope, the hope of the follower isn't just heaven, although that is going to be glorious. Is going to be incredible, mind-blowing. Our minds can't even fathom. We have glimpses of what that looks like in Scripture. Glimpses. And we think that sounds cool, but it's better than that. See, the cool thing about this is that Jesus comes to bring us life, this eternal life. But not just that. Not just something we have to wait until the moment we die. But Jesus is clear when he's saying, I've also come to bring a dimension a new dimension to your life while you're still living your life. See, Jesus promises something so cool. And he actually promises the things that we're using other things to search for. He's promising the abundance, filling, rich life, knowing that you are the beloved child of God. And so if we, you, and if I would just shift our focus back to him, kind of take the mirror down a little bit so we can look out and see Jesus. If we allow him to be the leader, to be the shepherd, to be the one that guides, we are going to find that every single time he will care for us. He will restore us. He will comfort you. He will protect you. He will provide for you. He will empower you. Even when you go through difficult times, and some of you have already understood this, some of you have already felt this, and you've experienced this, that even when you go through the most difficult times of your life, when times are hard, when oppression comes, when, when, when disappointment comes, when fear and worry, just like, they, they threaten to overwhelm you, the shepherd is there leading not just preparing a place for you in heaven, but promising and giving you a rich, full, peace life today. Because not only does he lead you, but his presence will follow you all the days of your life until you arrive at the house of God forever. See, this is our prayer for you. Is that not only that you just know about God or know about some of the things about God or just, just, just have placed your faith and trust in God and just say, okay, yes, I have eternal life. I have a, a stamp of approval. I'm gonna be in heaven when I die. Absolutely, and that's wonderful and amazing. We want that for you, absolutely. But we want more for you. So much more. Because God has so much more for you. This verse does not mean that if you receive Christ and you follow him, everything's going to turn out perfect. Your life's going to be here. You're not going to have cancer. You're not going to have problems. You're not going to have situations. You're always going to have enough money. You're always going to have enough things. You're always going to have enough everything you want. This is not what this verse is talking about. But what it's talking about is a rich, full life that can't be found in searching through other things. So as we walk through these things over the course of the next couple of weeks, this is just introduction, really. 
What we want you to know is that our heart, our desire, that each and every one of you, depending on what part of the journey that you're on, we recognize that maybe some of you are here for the very first time, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe this whole God thing maybe is a little bit kind of new to you. Maybe you're here because of the girl. I don't know. I don't know the story. But wherever you are, just know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And together, we're going to help discover that. And this is why it's so important to know what we believe because it informs where we go and what we do. So Forward City family, um, let's go on a journey together. Let, let, let's, 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 let's rest in the fact that we're stubborn, that, that we're defenseless, that, that we don't always make the wise choice, that we often follow the wrong people and chase after the wrong things but that we have a shepherd who wants to lead us through that. Because he wants to not just bring us life, but to bring us life to the full. So that's why we're here. Because we want to help you and me move forward towards a full life in Christ. And we're going to do that over the course of the next couple of weeks by learning about what we actually believe. Because what we believe matters. What you believe about Jesus matters. So let's pray together and uh, let's, uh, let's enjoy this rest of this day as God has given it to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. And God, as we just kind of introduce this, 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 this opportunity, uh, this, this learning series that we're going to go through, Father, I pray that you would open our minds and open our hearts. That you would help us as we wrestle through some of these things that we know about already or maybe some of the things that we don't yet know about. But Father, help us to understand that, that you want us to know what we believe and to, and, you know, to have these foundational truths because it really dictates where we go and what we do and how we do what we do. Help us to know the things that matter, the things that, that are so foundational for our faith, and also just to be able to hold loosely some of the things that we're still working through and working with. Because, Father, I know your desire for us is that we move forward towards a full life in you. And your desire for our city is that they would come to know you and have their lives transformed and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That people would move from death to life, from hurt to health, to lost, to be found. So, Father, I pray that you would lead us and guide us as we learn together, as we grow together. And as we go into our community together with these truths and these, uh, these beliefs to help see a world changed. So Father, lead us and guide us, we pray. And we thank you so much for this day you've given to us. Uh, thank you that you um, have a place for us reserved in heaven that's going to be amazing and incredible. But also thank you that uh, until we get there, you're working now. So, Father, thank you for that. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who makes it all possible and makes it all worthwhile. Amen.